you seen the TV show? Help me out here. Have you seen the TV show Shark Tank? Yeah, you may have heard of it. I'd like to show you a little clip just from one of the episodes of Shark Tank. I never watched this TV show religiously. I may have kind of, you know, uh, checked in every now and then to see what was happening, but I thought it was a fascinating TV show. Long story cut short, this is how it works. Uh, aspiring entrepreneurs pitch their business models to a panel of some of Australia's most successful investors known as the... Sharks, and they tried to persuade them to invest money into their particular idea. These entrepreneurs step into the shark tank because they think that they have the product of all products. And so the sharks consider the products and the ideas that they have before them that is this a cause that I'm willing to commit myself to? Is this a product that I can add value to? Two, but most of all, you and I know that they're sitting there. Is this something that I can make a buck from? Check this episode or part of, of Shark Tank. All right. Yeah, bring back some memories. Familiar with the show? Is it still on, by the way? Anyone kind of? No, no. It's on and off a little bit, maybe in seasons. But uh, I'd like to do my message this morning around this idea of Shark Tank. But just before we do, let's do a recap of last week. Is that all right? Because I realise some people weren't here and maybe those who are beaming in from wherever you are. Just a little bit of a recap. We're in this series called This Is Us. Vision, Mission, Action. And uh, last week, we, t we reminded ourselves of um, our values and uh, our priorities, what we value the most here at Door of Hope, what our vision and mission is here, because here's what happens, um, maybe sometimes a bit like a business. Um, the church, um, over the years, as we look back of, of, of the disciples, um, that it can, it, what can happen is mission drift, that we can actually drift from the cause and the vision and the mission of what the church is all about. And so we said for a couple of weeks, we're going to focus back in of what this is all about. What it is, what the church is, but more importantly, who the church is. Jesus in uh, Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 18 was asked by his disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And uh, they said, can we sit on your left? Can we sit on your right? And that's, this is where Jesus would bring a child and say, you've missed the point, guys. I thought we'd been through all, of the, through all of this, but you've missed the point. So he brings a child over, and this is how you to, to receive the kingdom. This is how we are to live like, like a child, the, the, the faith of a child. And so Jesus, mission drift with his disciples. And so that's where we're coming from with this particular series, This Is Us. That we said last week that this is uh, not a building, uh, the church is not a building, it's not something that you attend, but it's a family in which we belong to. Uh, the church was also described as the bride, yeah? The bride, which is a pretty good name to be described as. Um, um, also described as a temple. Um, and so uh, it's a family we belong to, that we are the church and that we are here for the world. I love how somebody put it like this, that we are the, the visible expression of God on earth, the living manifestation of the reality of Jesus in the world. Do you like that? You see, the way that God builds his church, because he said, 
on this rock, Simon, Peter, I will build my church, is by changing us. And by changing us, he makes us generous. Not only that, he makes us sacrificial, but he makes us also grateful. And he moves us to honor him. And when we honor him, we actually serve him and we love others in this fragile and uncertain world. And so this is what it looks like to, first of all, to live by faith, but also to be known by love and to be that voice of hope in this fragile and uncertain world. And so we are here so people can see God in and through us, not only that, but to also know that God sees them as well through us. And so this idea of the shark tank, these aspiring entrepreneurs who pitch their business models to, these, to a panel of these successful investors known as the sharks, and they try to persuade them um, to uh, put money into their idea, and as they step into this shark tank, um, they have this product that they want to sell. And so it got me thinking as um, I was preparing this particular message that if Jesus were around in our time, would he actually step into the shark tank and pitch his idea of this, what we're talking about being the church? His idea of a movement that would change the world. And I kind of summed it up, and I thought he actually would. I thought he would engage in this particular, I would say, very challenging dialogue um, with this most audacious idea in all of history that nobody had ever thought of this idea before. And so you may have heard of Daniel and the lion's den. Well, this is Jesus in the shark tank. Here we go. Are you ready? Because often, at the first question, which we'll get to just in a moment, before we do, I want us to imagine Jesus pitching this idea of the church and get this sense that this, what he's pitching before the sharks, this is a pretty bold idea. This is something very unique. And let's capture, let's capture the sense of wonder and admiration for Jesus once again, but also to take that, that right kind of pride, if we must, if we could, in what the church is about and believe in it and love it all over again. And as we finished last week where we said that anything is possible and how also we want to be a part of what God is doing around the world. Are we ready? Jesus in the shark tank. And often the first question that would come at these um, wide, uh, open-eyed kind of uh, uh, people with these ideas is this. So what is it you're selling? What's, what's your product? What is it you're selling? And Jesus, of course, his response is me. What's your product? I am. Well, let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 9 says that the Son of Man, this is the story of Zacchaeus, and um, where he says at the very end of this story that salvation has come to this house, and he says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, to seek and to save that which is what? Is lost. Very good. And so Jesus would stand there before the sharks and say, I want to save the human race. I want to save human beings from all that tears them apart. I want to save them from anxiety. I want to save them from fear. I want to save them from greed. 
I want to save them from themselves and from not having that solid place to base their values in. I want to save people from despair. I want to save people from the fear of death. I want to save people from guilt, but not just that. I want to redeem whole cultures. I want to save and redeem stuff that divides people, barriers that separate human beings. You see, what my mission is all about is that I want to save the world. That's Jesus' pitch to the sharks. One sole focus, singular. That is it. Not to save the planet, but to save us. To save humanity, that is it. It's on us to save the planet. But the only thing, the only thing, and Jesus knew this, is the only thing that would transform the life and the heart of a human being is himself. And that's why he said that he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, we're not here to fight against humanity. We are here for humanity. So, let's get on our blue paint. Let's throw on our kilts. Let's get uncomfortably on our horses. Let's march to the front lines and shout, freedom together and decide regardless of what the church has been, regardless of what the church has not been, we will not be defined by what others expect us to be. Rather, let's live by faith, let's be known by love, and let's be that voice of hope as we seek and to save that which is lost. My favorite movie right there. <laughs> Come on. We're starting to warm up. Come on. Here we go. All right. Next question from the sharks goes a little bit like this. So what's your background, Jesus? in saving the world. What's your job? I'm a carpenter. That's a little audacious for a carpenter, isn't it? <laughs> now, of course, let's remember, because this happened such a long time ago, we actually forget that people back in that day actually also considered that this was an audacious goal from Jesus as well. Now, we might remember, yes, some of the comments that Jesus got was, this is the carpenter. This is, the, this, is, this is Mary's son, isn't it? Who do you think you are? If you've ever watched this TV show, Shark Tank, when somebody pitches their idea... And the sharks begin to poke holes and ask the tough questions. Have you ever seen them and watched them squirm? When they start to sweat it a little bit. You might remember the young girl who started to pitch her idea. I think from memory her name was Kath. But just like Jesus, Kath was very confident in her product. Kath, as she stood before the sharks, she was confident in what she was selling. You see, when they used to poke holes in the life of Jesus and they would ask tough questions and there were skeptics and the doubters and Jesus, in and through all of that, he did not waver an inch. He did not pause for a second. He did not let go of his identity or his mission. He stood his 
ground. You see, the next question from the sharks is this, well, what's the organisational structure? What's the organisational structure of this movement going to be? And with a smile upon his face, he kind of, he, he stands up nice and tall with that glad you asked kind of <laughs> expression from his face, saying that, well, I'm going to bring about the greatest organisational structure in the history of this world. It's going to unleash a volunteer revolution like nobody has ever seen before, and here's how I'm going to do it. I am going to send my Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give spiritual gifts to every human being. My plan is for my church to be organised around spiritual gifts so that it would be administered by people with the spiritual gift of administration. It would be shepherded by people with the spiritual gift of shepherding. It would be taught by people with the spiritual gift of teaching, getting an idea. It would be led by people who would have the spiritual gift of leadership. It would be encouraged by people who have a, have a spiritual gift of encouragement. And that's what makes the church the church. That is us. There has never been anything like this before. The next question comes firing in from the sharks, and it's this. Well, I'm a little bit concerned too as to whether or not this idea can actually grow and expand in a profitable way. You see, if, the, if this thing is wholly based on you... It's rather limited to where you can go. <laughs> of course, unless you've mastered the art of being everywhere at once, it just will not grow. Jesus' response, well, as a matter of fact, it turns out that omnipresence is one of my supernatural powers. Here's what I'm going to do. You see, the story goes like this. I'm going to be with my Father in heaven. And on a day called Pentecost, the Holy Spirit will come down and bring a supernatural way of my presence, of my friendship, of my guidance, of my wisdom, and of my strength. So no one has to be alone. I'm just a prayer away. I've already given my close circle some directives along these particular lines to therefore go, therefore go, and make disciples of, of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem. Go to Judea. Go to Samaria. And then watch it grow. Go to the ends of the earth. But he also, he's also said that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. There I am in the midst of them. And guess what? It happened. It happened just like Jesus said that it was going to happen, that his church began to spread. And there has never been a movement like this movement. There has never been a book like his book, the Holy Word, the Holy Bible. There has never been a name that's been spoken like this name. There has never been anything like the church. And the, the sharks speak up once again and they ask him this question, well, how much is this thing going to cost? Where do you get your resources from? Do you have any money? <laughs> I have nowhere to even lay my head. But I do have 12. <laughs> 11, sorry. <laughs> One's on a performance review right now. <laughs> and the others, they kind of argue that between them who's going to be two, I see. 
But here's what's going to happen. Here is how it's going to unfold. When I give the ultimate gift of God, when I give my life for this world upon the cross, people will realize, people will realize that the God of this universe is a God of incredible generosity. Incredible generosity. And this new community that's going to get formed, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that there has never been a community quite like this, that most of them have nothing. But what they do have is an incredible joy, an incredible generosity. And those few people who have stuff, by the way, that they'll sell it and they're going to bring what they have and they're going to lay that money at the feet of the apostles and say, here, take this and help the poor. And you watch. You just watch. You watch the church take off. But also there's going to be a bunch of people who get this, that they're going to discover the practice of tithing, that God's people from Israel who did this as an act of trust where they would give God their very first and they would give God the best 10% and others would give beyond that in generosity and it's going to unleash the greatest wave of generosity in the history of this world. What I mean by that is this, that orphanages will be birthed, children will be loved and taken care of. Hospitals will be built by the church. Universities will become established across the world and it happened. It happened just the way Jesus said it happened. And Jesus goes on, tries explains to the sharks that this is the church. You see, a 50-year-old widow, instead of being alone, Instead of being isolated or forgotten, she has come to this family of people called the church and they say, we love you. We'll take care of you. We'll drive you. This is the church, you see, where a new family arrives with a special needs child. And the people come round them and they say, we can see she's your princess. She's also our princess. We're going to support you. We're going to allow you to go into the service where you can learn, where you can worship, where you can enjoy, because this is the church. You see, this is where a young man who is struggling with his mental health and he needs to sell his home. And a working bee gets organized to help him get the best sale price possible. And it's organized by the church. A family returns home from being away from years, serving in the missions field. Their home has been trashed by those who have rented it and they need it cleaned up. And the church, they come together, they clean it up due to the need for specialized care of an elderly couple. They've been married for years and they're about to navigate life apart. Who supports, who loves and who cares? This is the church. A bunch of overseas university students move into town. They can't get to church. We'll go and pick them up. That's the church. A solo parent who has their hands full and their hearts hurt. Life's tough. 
I can hardly breathe. We'll take care of the kids just for a moment in time. We'll let you rest, sleep if you want. You go and do the shopping. We'll take care because we're the church. A young girl caught up in addiction, instead of feeling condemned and filled with shame, she's invited and she's welcomed into a community of people who say, we are so glad you are here. You see, that's the church. That is us. And the sharks look at Jesus and ask him the final question. And it's this. Well, sum it up, Jesus. Sum it up for us. What is it you need from us? Jesus stands there and looks at these five people in front of him. And he sees the seven billion people. And he says this, that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sin. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Die to your old way of life and follow me. One by one, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And I'm out. And Jesus can't help. He can't help but stand there with tears. Tears in his eyes. Used to rejection. Used to the words being thrown at him. But filled with compassion, deep compassion. Jesus says another day will come tomorrow. And I'll ask you again. And I'm inviting you here today. The carpenter from Nazareth who comes one more time is inviting you. And so my question is for you this morning, will you be the shark who opts out? I'm out. Or will you be the one who feels moved and compelled by what you've heard? And will you respond? Will you trust him and be a part of this worldwide movement called the church? And would you step in faith to accept the offer and say to him this morning? I'm in. Let me pray. Father, just in this moment, this holy moment that we have together, and we have a few moments to spare. I don't want to rush anything because this is a holy moment worth having in this house. And it might just be for one person here this morning. If that's you here this morning and most of your life, while all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, most of your life you said, no, I'm out. And maybe for this morning you would say, count me in. There's one simple prayer I'm inviting you to pray, and I know there's more to pray, but just this morning, this one simple prayer, it goes like this. I'm in. I give you my life. That's it. That's it. I know there's more. But just in this moment, I'm in. I give you my life. 
If that's you here this morning across this auditorium, you might be that only person. And we take moments like this seriously. And I invite you to pray that prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to invite you forward. Maybe at the end, you're more than welcome to join us at the end. And we haven't finished our time together. We're about to come into this meal that Jesus invited his disciples to join with him, to remind them once again of what this is all about. We call it communion. Maybe traditionally it was called the Lord's Supper. But before we go there, if you're praying that prayer this morning, I'm in. Would you just raise your hand as all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, and this is between you and heaven right now. Because I see your hand, God sees your heart, and that's all that matters. But there's something powerful, something very special that we're about to to do, and that's to share a meal. But let's just, before we do, if that is you here this morning, would you just raise your hand to heaven so I can see that hand this morning? I'll just say a little simple prayer for you and maybe for those around you. But it could just be you this morning to receive maybe for the very first time to say that I'm in. I'm in on this. And if that's you, just raise your hand wherever you are in this auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I'm in. I'm in. Thank you. There's a couple of hands there. Two or three hands. Thank you. Thank you. Once I've seen your hand, thank you. You can lower that hand. Thank thank you. We're experiencing a holy moment together. This is really special. Is there anyone else? We don't want to rush this. Is there anyone else this morning that I may not have acknowledged your hand? Once again, God sees your heart. That's what really matters. But there's something special about this. I'm in. If that's you here this morning, just raise your hand nice and high to heaven. Father, I thank you because what's happening in heaven, we are told in Scripture that all of heaven is celebrating your goodness. Where one, two, three, four, how many people it is across this auditorium who says, I am in. I am in. It blesses and touches your heart in a way that we have no idea of. But Lord, just if we could get a glimpse even right now of what's happening because people are entering into a new way of life, denying their old way and moving into the future hand in hand with you. So Father, thank you. And I know there's still more to be done, still more to be said, still more to be sorted out. And maybe we might be able to to speak into that a little bit at the end of this service where that's appropriate or during the week. But Lord, as we come, and come to this meal for followers of Jesus. It was never meant to be that religious activity. It was never meant to be reserved for a special once a year kind of moment. But where Jesus took these common elements of bread and the juice and the cup, where Jesus used these common elements to show symbolically what was going to happen to him and what was going to be achieved for humanity into eternity it's not a religious event but it's out of relationship that we come in fact this meal can be taken anytime anywhere where there are followers of Jesus and where they gather and we're reminded that of your mercy that's undeserved 
We're reminded of, of the hope into eternity and now. We're reminded that we are forgiven of guilt and shame and sin. We're reminded of the life that could come from Christ and we're all that he has achieved for us. We're invited just in this moment to drop the mask. We're invited to ask you to search our heart. We're invited to be real and to sit at the feet of Jesus. And although we are many, we are one. Jesus, we thank you that we're invited to the table, that you see us in amongst the crowd, that you know us and that you invite us. Draw us together, we pray in this moment, Jesus, be the center. As we remember your body that has been broken by taking the bread, as we take the juice, we're reminded of your blood, the sins of the world, and we feast now in the faithfulness of our good, good Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Invite the team to come and to serve us. Spend this these next few moments of Jesus.